Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line, streaming live on MarnotWest.com. Don't forget about the venerable TheOutdoorLine.com with blogs, podcasts, and so very, very much more. Coming to you live and on location from Astoria, the uh, one of the signature fisheries of, uh, of certainly of Western Washington, if not the entire Pacific Coast, the Buoy Ten Fishery. And as we've done for so many years, I'm joined with uh, Bruce Larson. Good morning, Bruce. How are you doing? Morning, Tom. Doing good. How, How about you? How's everything at Renaissance Marine Group these days? Uh, we're staying really busy, um, trying to do our best to satisfy the dealers' needs out there, and ultimately the the prospects' customers' <laughs> needs out there. And boy, they 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 want a lot of boats. And we're absolutely honored. This morning, had him on a guest as a guest several times, none other than the famous Dell Stevens, who's a busy man these days with the Lipstick Salmon Slayer tournament going on today, and you're emceeing that drill tonight, Dell. Oh, you bet. Yeah, the ladies are all amped up. They're fishing today and and hopefully catching fish, and and uh, we've got almost 400 ladies signed up. It's biggest year we've had. That's just absolutely nuts. It's going to be a uh, and that the the the, the prize the whole ceremony tonight is going to be at the fairgrounds tonight just uh just a little bit uh a little bit west of astoria so that's that's going to be a pretty big event and uh we're going to be hanging out for most of the day because you got a lot of setup and stuff so the deal i made with dell was you helped me with a couple hours of radio this morning i'll i'll help you with a couple hours of setup today Well, i I left a message for dell yesterday because after you and i talked and i knew you get you'd set that up i intended to have that conversation with him so i uh fessed up and said hey we were planning on doing that so yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we we, we conspired against you, Dell, is what well, we're trying we, to say. But uh, I tell you what, the folks that are conspiring against the fish right now are pretty doggone busy. The Bowie 10 Fishery, despite the fact that we've got this uh, selective Chinook uh, drill going on right now, and it will be that way until, I believe, the 24th or 25th. We'll get to that later in the, in, the, in the Northwest Outdoor Port. But the mark rate is enough to keep guys interested and, and on the water. And our first day, we came down and had a tremendous day. And everybody we're talking to is, is saying the same thing, yeah. that there's a lot of fish in the water uh and uh, it doesn't sound at all like the, the the catch rate or the keep rate is 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 a huge issue but i know that dell's got tuna on the mind after after <laughs> a, after a, a year or two that was kind of tough this year is looking is setting up to be a banner albacore season it is yeah there's a lot of fish out there uh buddy boat yesterday got 82 <laughs> all on the troll yesterday how, how far out were they uh he was about 40 miles Wow. That's good. They're slowly moving in closer. Yeah. So how is it setting up? Because I know you're you're one of these folks like like my dear friend Robbie Tobek that's looking at sea surface temps and chlorophyll breaks and the whole bit just about all year long, right? So so is it setting up that they will get closer? And, and tell us about the feed and about the grounds out there. You right know, there's now. a lot of feed out there. It's just you get out there and look at the sonar and it's like, oh, my gosh, it's just between fish and, and feed. It's just solid below the boat, about 20 feet down. And... Uh, and everywhere, acres and acres and acres of it. That's all. That's wonderful. Yeah. So how are, are the tuna? You know, I always like to talk about how the the growth rates of of coho salmon in particular that that double their body weight in in their last five five or six months of life. 
tuna grow incredibly rapidly too when there's that amount of feed down the ocean and that's that's why you know they're they're they're, they're almost always on the bite when you find them in in the in the in the company of anchovies out on the ground they feed multiple times a day that's for sure and, and you can get them in a feeding frenzy and they'll they'll eat five percent of their body weight in a feeding frenzy <laughs> with no problem yeah and our fish right now our average weight on monday when i fished was 14.2 pounds which that's pretty small for an average weight you know, middle of August, we should be eighteen to twenty pounds. Is that is that the fat? Is that more of an of a result of the quality of the feed they had down south? And now that that warm water highway is extended up here, and the feed is better, you, do you expect these these albacore to stay and indeed get closer to shore? Yeah, when the feed is when there's a lot of feed, yeah, they'll hang around for quite a while. And um, one of the best days I ever had, um, we hooked a fish in dirty green water. At 57 degree water, we were five miles short of where we were running, and they were in there because of the feed. And we put 73 on in that wow. stop. Wow! And it was not wide open; it was just steady. And uh, we'd be down to one, then we'd be up to three, and then we'd be down to two, and one, and up to three, and it was just slowly steady. And we ran out of ice and had to quit. But they were there for the food. I mean, because they acclimated to the cold water, and they moved into the dirty water. So, Which is unusual for them in both cases. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I've seen that a couple of times where albacore will, will acclimate a little bit and move into dirty water for food. Well, it's 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 wonderful to see them. And right now they're 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 on that blue water break, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a pretty well defined chlorophyll line and stuff like that. And so and and guys are having really good success going and going and getting them. That's that's fascinating. The other aspect we got going on here is because we did have this this really profound snowpack this year, you know, all across the state of Washington, Oregon, the whole place. We're seeing a Columbia River that is cooler than it's been in several years, and the amount of freshwater coming down has Ilwaco so diluted that they can't keep anchovies in the harbor right now. So no live bait out of Ilwaco. Yep. So we'll, we're going to dig more into that that whole aspect a little bit later, and, and we're going to have a little a little micro Dell Stevens Tuna 101 <laughs> in, the, uh, in in next hour. But you know, it's it's so many guys will come up and ask you, and you've heard this question a thousand times: How big a boat? How big a boat do I need? How much? How, what kind of fish box space? What kind of tackle do I need? And we're just going to have a, just a quick rundown. And I and you know, having watched some of your seminars, and and we both present at the Seattle Boat Show, and you know, you you have just an amazing knowledge base. Of course, you've written a book. Um, well, I. Give, remind me of the name of your book. The Dark Side. The Dark Side. The Dark Side. <laughs> Is it Life Life West of the 49th or something like that? So One Man's Journey to the 125, 125 line. 125 line. There we go. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. But meanwhile, in the river, we're not seeing, obviously, the, these big bodies of anchovies. I mean, the, last, the past few years here at Bowie 10, you know, we've had whales feeding in the river. And and so and, and doing so grinding on these profound massive schools of anchovies that really aren't here right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know we've been getting bit. We have been getting bit mostly on herring. Uh, it's cut plug being the drill. My my famous you know my well my comfortable whole whole herring that I always roll just just hasn't been getting bit. But but cut plug has. And and of course the typical you know spinners and and uh, you know spin fish drill that that's happening too. But it's gonna be really really interesting to see what happens during the lipstick salmon slayer. We're gonna we're gonna kind of run through that event in the, in the next segment, because I, I do want to hear the story about how it all came about, and, and, and how many years you've been running? The, this will be the fifth season. Fifth season for it, so yeah, it's uh, pretty cool, and so if you do 
do see the Duckworth Sea Beast out on on Buoy Ten today, know that I'm not behind the wheel. So don't don't bother texting into the show. At, and uh, don't distract the women. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that could but, be a problem. But you can text us up this morning at two zero six four two one three seven seven six. That's the uh, that's of course powered by Yamaha Outboards, and and uh, it's going to be tough to take your calls today on the Reverse Shine Hotline since we are coming to you remote from Astoria. But boy, it, it's it's you know I don't know Bruce. I think you've been coming down here and fishing this together for at least ten years. At least yeah. And and this is looking from a, both a forecast standpoint and and what we're seeing on the grounds as an absolute stunner of a year. Early reports are are outstanding, and even the fact that it's all clipped fish right now, uh, there's a lot of fish that are being put on board, and uh, promises of a whole lot more as we go farther into the season too. So, the, what's given a lot of guys heartburn is, you know, it's we're we're, we're trying to get some pressure off the backs of the wild tulies, I mean, yeah. which is a lower Columbia, fastly, rapidly maturing stock of spawners. But the, the, what's, what's killing the guys is a lot of these upriver brights, they're a, they're a wild fish. Mm-hmm. And so despite the fact that the Chief Joseph Dam is, it, it, yeah, the, the hatchery, new hatchery facility, relatively new, above Chief Joe, is cranking out a bunch of these stocks of fish. Still, that, that, that the genetic variability in these wild fish, man, they... They are just absolutely stuffed with oil. They're they're like a a fall springer, if you will, in that their belly walls are so thick. So they're really really preferred food item. And when you got to let them go, you know that kind of hurts. But but I but I know for a fact that Austin Mosier had one that was close to 30. I saw a picture of one that was that maybe was close to 40 pounds. Dell, it wouldn't shock me at all if somebody cracked a 50 pounder in this fishery soon. Oh, that'd be something, yeah. I mean, it's it. it that's just the the genetics that the Columbia has left in it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm telling you, that's. But the but again, the food's been so great on the ocean. It's mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm fired up, man. So we're we're in the studio this morning. The boat's on the water right now. But I'm looking forward to getting back on there. So tell you what, give us 90 seconds. We're going to be right back here. We're going to have Dell tell us kind of the history, the story behind the lipstick salmon slayer, and what's going to go on on the grounds here at the Buoy Ten Fishery. 90 seconds, right back here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, and the Seattle Sports App. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and Seattle Sports app. So uh, there, there's actually a new text line right now. It's 866-979-3776, which is also the Reverse Shine Hotline by Tri Wellcraft Duckworth. So uh, log on to LipstickSalmonSlayer.com. That is Dell Stevens' This is this is all your fault, dude. This whole thing. <laughs> well, it, it's hilarious because you, you know it's the talk of the town right now. Like you said, you got 400 gals hitting the water today on how many different boats? You got 100 boats in this. Thing? Oh, there's probably 250. Wow, that's just that's just crazy. And they're not all here by themselves. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's, when they go, when you get all those ladies up there in that uh, auditorium and for dinner and, and awards and stuff, you know they're bringing. Husbands and significant others, and there'll be close to 700 people in there. So four thousand uh, bucks, a two grand prize, a third, a thousand dollar prize, cash to the to the you know to the biggest fish. I'm guessing, uh, or or is it the biggest no, boat, boat no, weight? Biggest ran- boat weight? Random, <clears throat> random, random prizes. We will draw three times in a computer program between five and 40 pounds, and we'll pick a number, and that'll go in an envelope. That'll be first prize. That's so cool. So that, well, it gives everybody an equal chance. It doesn't make man. a difference as long as they they both fish. fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so, that's huge. And a five hundred dollar captain's prize. That's what a what a great event. And so, all right, this is the, the you said the fifth year running this. Or fifth year. Fifth year. So, where did this come from? How did it get started? 
a lot of people knew we were running the Oregon Tuna Classic. Right. They, some of the ladies came to us. They'd been fishing in other tournaments, and they asked us, hey, would you put a tournament on? And um, we kicked it around for a couple of years, and it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to jump in, into another tournament and because and, uh, ran the OTC for about 12 or 13 years, and and I was needing to take a break. And, and um, so they talked talked us into it and and Weddy and Megan and I sit down and talked about it and and uh, so, all right we'll go ahead and do this in the process of doing all that um, some of the things that, that has gone on uh, over the years with uh, Weddy and Megan and I is is I've traveled a lot when I was single and fished and hunted a lot of places around the world and, and for me taking them on trips and empowering them to achieve something that they might never know about or, or think about or be able to do, uh, for me is, you know, I enjoy that. Yeah. And, uh, so I thought, well, all right, this gives the ladies an opportunity to do something that normally we consider to be a man's world and it's, you know, men's tournaments and all this other stuff. So we're going to create a platform for the ladies to have the same opportunity. And so it was all about empowering ladies to have the same opportunities. And, and uh, you know, a lot of these ladies, they grew up like my sister. She she, she fished and hunted um, as a teenager with my brothers and I. And a lot of these ladies, same thing. They grew up fishing with their parents. And and then for whatever happens in life, whether they be, you know, still single and, and don't own a boat or, you know, some of the ladies do own a boat, you know. We're at a time now where there's a lot of affluent ladies that, you know, have a background in fishing and hunting that, you know, they've got big, big expensive boats as well and, and, uh, and don't hesitate to learn how to drive them themselves and, you know, and they don't need a guy in their life. But you go back, you go back to what you said in terms of something to empower the ladies. Mm-hmm. If you witness the weigh-in, it is so gratifying because they are so pumped. Oh, yes. In terms of what they, what the, the fun they had out on the water, camaraderie, just everything. I mean, it's 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 great to see. W- women, women are better at supporting women than men are supporting men. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would absolutely agree with that. That's that's true. But you know, and we did see a couple all gal crews on on the water yesterday. Oh yeah, which is something that you wouldn't have seen several years ago. And and uh, you know, and, and Joey and I are you know fishing around Puget Sound. There's we know of a couple gals that are running their own boats out there, which I, I think I think is great. But you know, it, it's wonderful that. You know, so many new boaters are coming into the marketplace, and and a few of them, straight up gals going on buying new boats and getting on the water, Bruce. And there's no question about that. We're seeing more and more of the pre-sold orders that our dealers are working with that have, uh, when we dig into it, other than just a last name, they're they're being bought by the 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 woman in the in the relationship, whether it's a um, they're married, whether it's significant others, or whether it's just single gap. I mean, we're seeing a lot mm-hmm. more of that than probably go back seven, eight, ten years ago. Uh, far more. Yeah, which is good. Right, wouldn't be a bad deal. Yeah, I'm dating this gal. She's got a thirty foot duckworth. You know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of a, kind of a cool chick, you know. No, that's going to be interesting. I, this is going to be my first time that I've you know attended the the awards, and I hear you put on a heck of a show, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing. I told that. him there was no yeah. way he was not yeah. going to attend tonight. <laughs> well, it's the Friday night deals before the radio show that kind of kind of give me a, give me a problem. But other than that, I, I I'm all aboard. So so I tell you what, we're going to pop out of here for a quick break. Um, we we do have hunting season, as you talked about a couple hunts right here. You know that that you like to go, and I know you're a you're an avid big game hunter, very accomplished hunter. 
Um, some people are, are looking for the right firearm, and our next guest is going to tell them exactly how to do it. So Murphy Auction has taken over a couple different private collections, and, and uh, it's it's it. Well, I just let's just say it's been stuffing my gun case just as of late. But but Ray Gombiski of MurphyAuction.com is going to tell us about what he's got going on on the on the site. There's actually another live auction that has a tremendous around, uh, amount of of hunting arms, especially muzzle loaders. And here in Washington, I know it's the same in Oregon. You have a tremendous additional opportunity if you're a muzzleloader hunter you can actually get in on, on, on a hunt when the elk are still are still absolutely vocal gives you a better chance stay tuned greg on murphy auction joining us next here in the outdoor line seattle sports station 710 and the seattle sports app Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI Shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, and the Seattle Sports app. So head on over to murphyauction.com. This is the time of year that a lot of guys are blowing the dust off the old smoke pole and starting to hit the ranges, and, and those are the guys that end up putting uh, deer and elk and anything else in the freezer. And this is a great way to start. Get a new firearm, maybe something that's hard to find. Ray Gombiski, Murphy Auction, joining us this morning. How you doing, Big Ray? Good, guys. Thanks for having us back on. Well, I tell you what, it's it's fun getting online and seeing these tremendous collections. And uh, like we were talking right before the break, man, if if you're a muzzleloader hunter, your your hunts are coming right around the corner. There's there's some there's some September elk opportunity, some early early August, or excuse me, early October opportunity for muzzleloaders here in the state of Washington to give you much better shot at elk in particular when they're being vocal. And I was just shocked at the number of muzzleloaders in this auction, Ray. Yeah, so this is a, a different collection than the one we had last time. This guy was very hardcore hunter. Um, and he passed away, so this is his estate, his his life's collection, and uh, yeah, he's he's got a nice rack of muzzleloaders in there, and, and some nice rifles as well. And and I mean page after page, there's over 200 arms in this collection, and it's not just muzzleloaders. Please don't get me please don't get me wrong. There we're we're talking revolvers, we're talking semi-autos, we're talking you know Seiko, Marlin, Remington, Browning, Parker, Hale. I mean, some of these, you, yeah. you, I don't know where you would find some of these names and some of these calibers and, and, you know, especially given today's supply chain crunch. I, I mean, this is probably one of the, one of the most sure shots you got at getting a firearm of a lifetime and, and doing so at a reasonable cost. Yeah. And you know, if, if you're ready, if you're wanting one for this fall, you know, like you mentioned at the, the beginning there, um, We've got a new FFL partner with Security Gun Club in Woodenville. I don't know if you've ever been there. The place is gorgeous. Um, so they're going to ship everything for us this go around. And, and I think the availability, Tom, like you talked about, um, you don't have to search one out. You know, with with the selection that we have here, a guy can can pick through it. And, and even next Tuesday, you can come down and look at all the guns in person. We'll have them laid out for the public to take a look at. And that's at your facility in Kenmore. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I so I I can speak with personal experience going through this process in the last auction. That it, it, I I got a you know really cool piece out of it. It was it was a long arm. Went through the process, and you absolutely do have time to get this thing and and you know get a scope on it if you so if you so desire. A lot of them already already come scoped, but I, I tell you what, it's it's something that folks definitely want to check out. The auction actually opened Ray on Wednesday, and if I'm not mistaken, it ends this coming Wednesday. And uh, that that's maybe when some of the prices may may creep up a little Ooh, bit. Just a little bit, but yeah. 
but it, it's 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 interesting to me. You told me the, the popularity of these online auctions for these pieces, and you you just kind of sit towards the last hour of the thing, kind of watch people uh, watch people bid some of these things up. Yeah, you know, God bless Amazon and eBay. It kind of trained everybody to buy with their mouses, and so we get to the last ten minutes of one of these auctions, and and you really got to pay attention because. The, the price will, will jump, you know, sometimes 100 or 200% in the last 10 minutes. Um, but what I tell people is there's always a sleeper in every auction. There's always one item that somebody wasn't paying attention on, and you can hook a deal on it. So, you know, it pays to do your homework and, and be ready for when that opportunity presents itself. That's a great call because there's some there's some names in here like CZ and some other lesser known uh, brands that there there's definitely going to be some steals on there. It opened up on Wednesday. You can see them this Tuesday at Murphy Auction in Kenmore. Uh, hit MurphyAuction.com. What am I missing, Ray? Is there anything else I, I should be? Uh, uh, you know, while you're there? there, we got a heavy equipment auction going on as well. So you can look <laughs> at and excavators and the whole nine. <laughs> You find all that at Murphy Auction. Ray, thanks for your time this morning, buddy, and good luck at football practice tonight with the kids, man. All right, guys. Take care. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Ray Gombiski, Murphy Auction. So it's it's a fun way to it's a it's a fun way to do some shopping and a and a great way to I mean, because if you order a gun right now, you know, and, and you think you're gonna hunt with this fall, it's it's simply, simply not happening. Last time we talked, you 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 you'll go back to Colorado and you you shot a just a masher ball. Was it last year? Yeah, yeah. Utah. Utah, Utah. Sorry. Yeah, southeast Utah. Yeah, I shot a uh, a four four nineteen. <laughs> that's that's not just a bull elk of a lifetime. That's a bull elk of several lifetimes. You got any big hunts planned plan for this fall? I have uh, two hunts so far. I have a trophy blacktail hunt in southern Oregon in the Applegate area. Nice. And um, and then I have a um, a hunt with Bob Beck. Uh, from MOA and Extreme Outer Limits over in uh, Idaho, which is a new hunt for them. They bought uh, uh, Broken Top Outfitters, and it'll be a combo hunt for elk and mule deer. So um, it's funny because every time I go over to the factory of over at Clarkston, Washington, you look right across the river there at Lewiston, Idaho, of course, and you talk to the guys in the factory, and, I mean, they're all hunters over oh, there. Oh, boy. I mean, every. I mean, you you have trouble getting people to to be in the shop in October and November, well, September and October for sure. Well, f- fortunately, the staff has grown in terms of size, yeah. so <laughs> it's a little easier to say no. You've been here long enough. You know, you you're not you're not gone the opening days. You know, this sort of thing. So yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'll call it a distraction, but hey, it's part of the lifestyle. So. We, you know, we're we're still kind of dealing with some supply chain issues. I mean, there's not, you know, inventory levels are, are absolutely at, you know, at, at a low that you probably haven't seen your entire career, Bruce. I mean, how's tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you've got at Renaissance Marine Group right now delivering product. And you know, I mean, every time I go do a demo or a sea trial on on, on one of these new duckworths, the people are just over the moon happy. But it, it's you know, it's taken them a, several months to to get that boat in their hands oh and in some cases it's you know beyond a year um and the the bigger boats are the ones that have have shown the biggest strain as far as uh, people making the commitments to it you know uh, this whole pandemic thing has caused a lot of people to change their overall recreation decisions and um those of us that are providing the platforms for that aren't gonna you know be sad by any means but it it creates it creates pressure by by no 
stretch. And uh, there have been uh, the supply chain issues uh, from the big major components, uh, motors, trailers, uh, that sort of thing, down to the smallest of things. Believe it or not, right now, one of the biggest pressures is white paint. Really? Yeah, uh, it's absolutely bizarre. Um, uh, and you know, our our purchasing people are getting excited, telling us, "Hey, we got six gallons of white paint committed. It'll be here." Unbelievable! Uh, yeah, uh, just bizarre. To a large degree, we've you know everybody has changed their habits as far as what they're doing from an inventory standpoint. You know, none of this just in time stuff. I'm going to get it as soon as I can. That sort of thing. Um, Motors are getting incrementally better. Uh, Yamaha specifically has uh, added two more logistics companies to their uh, stable of of, uh, folks that were bringing product from Japan over to the U.S. and and that sort of thing, and that's starting to trickle into the uh, distribution channels. Um, We're seeing some of the biggest pressure on the trailer side. Um, whether whether they're they're um, galvanized, whether they're uh, steel beam, whether they're aluminum beam, it's just uh, they've they've got some real issues in in terms of getting everything together to get a complete product out. It, and you know all that adds up to long wait times. It, unfortunately, for, for it does. Yes, right now. Yeah, yeah. So so a lot of people are looking, you know, kind of at at, at other other solutions, right? And 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 maybe you know looking towards other brands. And I like to pick. On, on Robbie Tobek about, about the whole fiberglass and aluminum thing, right? And and so and it's always a conversation I've I've, I've wanted to I've wanted to have with you mm-hmm. because ever since I've known you, you've been a fiberglass boat guy. I actually, you know, I ran charter for over twenty five years, and most of that was aluminum boat. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I started out on Odell Lake with a uh, big Formula V limo weld. No kidding. Yeah. And then in July, I'd move to the coast, and I'd run charter offshore. And, and uh, it wasn't until I started tuna fishing that, uh, and I did that the first little bit with that aluminum boat, but it wasn't fuel efficient because it was inboard jet. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not an offshore oh, no. configuration. Yeah, and then, um, then I switched to a glass boat. But I still have an aluminum boat. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, every time I've seen you, you're in the big trip. What, what is it? A it's a triple? Uh, triple Hydrosport. Hydrosport. Triple, triple 300s. Wow. Yeah. Best, I have to tell you, best riding boat I've ever owned and best handling for driving. And you don't get in that boat and put the throttles forward a little bit. You have to drive that boat. It's like a sports car. If you want to get the ride out of it, you got to get it up and get it rolling. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's... That's I, I I would say the same about my thirty duck mm-hmm. is that it, definitely it is a boat you you have to drive you can't just you know sit sit behind it and you know it, it so and part of that is engine trim a little bit of that is trim tabs which isn't you know I I don't necessarily have to use them mm-hmm. that much but the the perception I'm always fighting with folks is that fiberglass boats inherently just ride softer than aluminum boats which I have a quarrel with. Because I, I firmly know in my heart that the water does not care what the hull is made out of. I it's think about the, hull shape. Yeah, it is about hull shape. But I think the entry on the hull sometimes has a little bit to play in that as far as if you're in a pretty sporty water condition, that entry can, can make a difference. Oh, right. it, def- it definitely can. And that's you know the, the design issues that you have to face from a, a builder standpoint to, to try and soften that. And, and the, the, the natural... Heavier uh, weight of the fiberglass versus the aluminum, you've got to counter that as well. Yeah, and uh, then you add that curvature that 
you know, Carolina flare that yes. I have, you know, and, and yeah, you can put that aluminum boat as well, but makes that boat even more expensive, mm-hmm. you know, to, to do that to it. But, uh, and I think it's a preference thing. Um, I've got buddies that have, you know, big duckworths and, and they love them and, and, um, you know, and, and I fish out of a aluminum boat in the springtime and, but, um, I'll never get rid of my aluminum boat. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I just, I've always been a metal boat guy, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I, I had my little, my little dalliance with fiberglass for a time, but I, I definitely see in some of the warmer climates, you know, I mean, it, it's why the Miami market is absolutely dominated by mm-hmm. glass. It's why Central America, you see glass and it's a heat transfer issue, but up here in the Northern climes where, where we have, you know, more moderate temperatures and whatnot, I, I just, man, it's, it just seems like aluminum's always been a lower maintenance. You know, uh, there's been a lower maintenance aspect to it. They certainly hold their value, but mm-hmm. there's definitely there's definitely applications for both hulls. And it's interesting, Bruce, because when we first started working together, we talked about the genesis of, of the design of, of Duckworth and Weldcraft and the and the variable dead rise and and uh, obviously pr- pronounced reverse chine. A lot of that was borrowed by six from successful fiberglass oh, designs no, initially. Absolutely, no question. Um, you know, the the fiberglass has the, if you will, the the advantage of being able to create it in their in their forms that they're they're pouring the or laying the fiberglass up in. With aluminum, you've literally got to have a craftsman that's uh, uh, capable of helping to create that that's mm-hmm. uh, that shape and that. And but but you're absolutely right. That's where it came from. The exciting thing right now is we're seeing the market respond in the Great Lakes area and in North Atlantic. North Atlantic is so much, their their whole environment so much like the Pacific Northwest that it's really, <clears throat> it's been rewarding to see the, the reception out there. Yeah, yeah, I tell you what, you throw you throw a heater in an aluminum boat, and you got a boat you can use twelve months out of the year. And I, and it, seriously, I I run my heater in July. I run my, you know, it, twelve months out of the year, you can definitely use a heater in a boat, especially the you know the forced air and the heated oh, yeah. dash and all that. So, so well, when are you going to be uh, running that uh, big fiberglass boat of yours out for a tuna run here, Dell? Um, probably this next week sometime. Right now, I'm running two fiberglass boats. Oh really? Yeah, I have a thirty-nine <laughs> you, nine invincible bad. set in my slip with triple four hundreds in um, in in Iwako? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That, that gets you to the grounds pretty quick. Yeah, I've been helping um, Schooner Creek, which is one of my. They do all my service work, and one of my sponsors, and, and they decided to become an invincible dealer, and they came to me and, hey, you have experience with center console boats? Would you help us? And sure. So I have also been demoing the boat and fishing their employees and and then uh, sounds like a tough gig Dale. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt this feels so bad for you so uh, okay this this just cracks me up the, the, the text toy 866-979-3776 powered by yamaha outboards uh question for bruce i know what it is <laughs> what, <clears throat> what's the question bruce uh center console or walk around or walk around walk around somebody and, wants and, to know about a walk around buddy i'm i'm pleased to announce oh my goodness that uh uh, engineering is actually starting to do the work on something that'll it most likely will be in a 34 foot version and it will have uh, uh, both a walk around or a standard cabin option on it it's probably I don't think it's going to happen in the next 12 months but in the next 24 it probably will and uh, despite the fact that I'm going to pull that string on full-time work at the end of December 
I'll stay involved to see that baby come to life. <laughs> <laughs> so a 34 is in the works. Yeah, I think we'll jump from 30 to 34. Just uh, um, It'll go wider bottom, uh, bigger beam, and uh, then do the walk-around option as, as well as the standard cabin on it. Ten-foot bottom? Uh, most likely. Wow. Yeah. Triples? Definitely will support triples, yeah. Yeah. No more kicker motors on that boat. A <laughs> <laughs> little different size. A little there. different size, no question about it. All right, we're going to pop out of here for a quick break. Coming right back at Ray, Ray Marine Picks of the Week. Man, we got to talk about Buoy 10. we got to talk about the ocean, Puget Sounds, Awash, and Coho. There's definitely some river action in the Calus. A whole lot to talk about right here on the Picks of the Week here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Ray Marine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Ray Marine, simply superior. Check out the entire line of multifunctional displays at raymarine.com. Some of this sonar has gotten so much better over the years. The evolution of marine electronics is just is absolutely crazy. Well, it's like everything in the, the electronics tech it doesn't make a difference what part of the world we're talking about. It is changing so quickly. The, the, the half-life of whatever you decide you're going to buy today has shortened so much in terms of when the next oh, one's coming out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Five years, it's obsolete. It's, inc- it's crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and folks, will, they'll, they'll kind of be a little ticked off that you know, their, their stuff they bought maybe six, seven years ago is now just that far behind the line. But you got to liken it to a laptop. Oh, very much some, the same I, thing. I mean, you don't keep a laptop for five years. No. Right? You just don't. And, and uh, you know, it, this stuff is moving so fast and so rapidly. But just the detail, the, the advance of high chirp, um, where you can it, – it's not just an amorphous blob of stuff now. You can make pretty good guesses at the species of bait by, by looking at the signal strength. You can see fish. You can see your, your target species feeding. You know, you get half an upside-down banana and a nice cloud of herring <laughs> and stuff like that. Well, it's just, it's, it fires you up, Dell. Yeah. So, it, and, and during the break, we were kind of talking about your approach in particular to the, to the buoy 10 fishery because, you know, this Columbia River estuary is extremely challenging. You're talking about a body water that, that has, you know, very diverse breaks and bars and shelves and gutters and then let's let's just along with all that habitat let's just reverse the current every every four hours right yeah you know and and so when when you're setting up i mean obviously my first move is i I'm, I get my information network going right and as i know you do but but how do you how do you approach a day on buoy 10 you know a lot of it's um you know what's the tide doing yeah. how strong is the tide you know is it a soft tide you know going to hold fish back in the river or is it a strong tide you know going to flush them in and out and, and uh, so a lot of times that depends on and then we fish the tides you know by that i mean you know the, some of the guys aren't leaving until 7 7 a.m this morning yeah at, at a west marine the, west our group just moved it back to eight yeah <laughs> well and i don't blame them because no. we're right now we're just coming off this the, the biggest tide in this series was yesterday yeah okay and it was definitely a right place, right time deal. But those windows, those bite windows are really, really short. And we tried to get bit yesterday morning, tried mm-hmm. a couple different places. You know, uh, it, but now tomorrow is going to be different, I think, you know, because, again, these tides are moving later and they're softening. So I think there's going to be a daylight bite on the sands. Yeah. the You know, and a lot of times on a strong tide coming in, a lot of times guys will set up out by buoy 10 yep. or buoy 11 on the on the Washington side. And they'll wait and chase the fish. Chase in. the fish, and they'll follow them up. And if it's a good moving tide, 
they'll eventually get up, you know, some of them will get up on the sands there and, and uh, some of those fish will move over a little bit and, and they'll slowly just work their way up. And if you get into a hot bite, a lot of times you'll pick up and leapfrog right back down to, you know, and, and jump back in again and, and maybe you're trawling a 200-yard stretch there, you know, where you all of a sudden got bit or, you know, you see nets flying around you, you know, there's a good bite right here. And so we leapfrog back around there and but um you know with those stronger tides i fish multiple depths uh I'll, i might have i might have baited 20 feet i might have baited 45 50 feet and um trying to see where those fish are at yesterday uh buddy boat uh, most of his fish were in the morning and they were deep yep and yep. by late morning he was getting bit on his shallow rods so the first day we were here we got we got really really fortunate. We started over on the Chinook side and Washington side and worked down in front of El Waco, holding into that flood on you know over in the deep water. And I mean, you know, gear out 25, 30, 35 feet and holding into it in 90 feet of water. And here come those here come those yeah. fish. And and then so then yesterday we set up on the same thing. All the fish, I mean, most of the fish came up the Oregon side yesterday. And yeah. here we are in the Washington side going, where are the fish? Where are the fish? Start making a couple calls, right? And our guys that, that, you know, our friend Austin Mosher, he was at buoy 10 and find them. So we slid over to 12 and, and sure enough, I mean, there's a, there's a bite around us. But then you see that wall of water coming up the river. And so the water will get rougher as that as that flood starts to really become more pronounced. And it's like, okay, then your screen changes. You're, you were marking fish, and now that water under you is turbulent. And you can see the turbulence on your sonar. Dude, that's over at that point. Mm-hmm. So then it's time to run up and maybe find some place on the sands where the water is again calmer. But we started seeing birds, too. And, and so it's like we set up close to a rip on the sands and, and waited and waited, and here they come. Right. Yeah. And, and so that leapfrog aspect is something that you definitely need to need to be aware of. And, and the interesting thing about the guys that have been hold, that, are, that are fishing right at buoy 10, which is you can't fish west of buoy 10. That's why, you know, the, the namesake of the fishery is that's the westernmost boundary of, of, mm-hmm. of this of this area. But they'll they'll hold right there on that line. And, and be there in time for that flood. And it's just amazing on a big flood that you see, I mean, you absolutely see that flood coming in. It's almost like a shelf of water that's coming in on top. It's just, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. Typically, that's most that's mostly a coho show out there on the line. But this year, Dell, there have been kings, a lot of kings yeah. caught on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times, the you know, when you're putting your nose into it and just holding there, you know, depending on what kind of boat, the guide boats, that's an easy one to hold there. But sure. a bigger boat like ours... You know, somebody's got to be on the helm. You know, when you get bit, twenty-four-seven, continue yeah. yep. running the boat yep. so you so you don't drift back into into people. You know, so you got to pay attention to that. And, and uh, but I think the biggest thing is you got to be willing to pick up and move. Yeah, you, you if do. you're not getting bit. Yeah, and so that's definitely one of my approaches. Is is I'm you know I'm looking for I'm looking for nets flying. I'm looking for but but also that after a few years of being down here. What you what you see on the surface, right? Mm-hmm. And and even if you're pulling into a spot, you you can you can be there before the rest of the fleet is. Okay, you can make a move ahead because you know on a big flood, those fish are riding that flood on up into the estuary, right? Those so that that ebb is holding them out, holding them out. But boy, they come in over the bar on that flood, and you know you're if you're in turbulent water and and they're not biting, get 
up farther upriver on that flood. Conversely, if you get a morning ebb like we're going to start getting here, you know, I, I think one of our moves tomorrow, maybe just run clear the heck up the blind channel on the Washington side. I've had some tremendous days up there, mm-hmm. you know, at, yeah. at, at first light. And I mean, you know, I mean, a day last year we were done before we got to the bridge on the Washington side. Yeah. yeah. So but that's that's, you know. The, the number of fish that you encounter here on the buoy 10 fishery, some of the size of the fish you come down here at the buoy 10 fishery. But after a whole season of fishing downriggers and watching the rod go do, 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 boom, right? They just wreck these rods when they bite them. <laughs> I mean, you got 30, 35 feet of line out, Dell. And, and that rod just, it, it, they, they just bury the, I mean, you can't, yesterday, we, we had one you couldn't get out of the rod holder. Oh, just wow. just pinned, right? And and my big buddy Kevin Gogan was with us, and we have line counters. One of them, you know, we're, we're, we're holding into it day before yesterday up, up at the bridge. And he's like, oh, Nelly, you better get after this fish. I'm down to that 275 feet of line out. I mean, that thing just made a scream. And I thought, when, when there, because there's harbor seals and sea lions, right? And yeah. I was thinking, you may, you know, you may have got a pinniped on that sucker. So we turned around, tried to get on top of him. No, it was just, just a beautiful big fish, man. Damn. Yeah, yeah, fun. But just watching the strikes. And oh it, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a lot of times it's like, was that a bite? It's like, there's no doubt, no question over <laughs> here. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so make a case for bait. Make a case for artificials. When, Ooh. when are you going to have? And that's the eternal question. I know, but you know, you see. In this fishery, more than any others, you see, um, you know, spinners and spinfish versus anchovies versus herring versus whole herring, cup plug, bait and helmet, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They all have their place here. Yeah. How do they fit into your game plan? You know, I start the season normally with more cup plug than anything else. And I might have one rod, fishing six rods, I might have one rod with a anchovy helmet and some anchovies on board fishing them. Uh, I, tra- I traditionally don't get bit as much on anchovy early in the season, and as I progress through about mid-season, I start putting spinners out, and um, and I'll start fishing more anchovies, and and, uh, and as more coho come in the river, uh, I'll start fishing more anchovies and more spinners. And I definitely see the point, like you know, Cody Herman's a great angler, and and kind of made his bones on this fishery, and. And uh, has kind of a daily YouTube deal. So people that are just entering this buoy tent fishery, I'd encourage you to you know jump on Day One Outdoors on YouTube and and watch what he's doing there because he has a daily report. Mm-hmm. And one of the points he makes with regard to bait versus artificials is just the amount of times you're getting bit. Dude, you don't have time to put a bait on sometimes. Right. And that's in, in in you know in my thought process, that's definitely an indication of time to go time to use spinners, yeah. time to use those those spin fish as well. Mm-hmm. You know, get in like Jerry Spice. He's coming into town. He's running the boat right now. He he's coming into town. He goes, hey, you got a can opener on the boat? And I'm thinking, gosh, do I have a can opener? Well, what do you need a can opener for? What do you need a can opener for? Can of tuna, man. He's 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 opening cans of tuna and stuffing them in spin fish, right? You know, and it's just you know again, it's just. I get I get so you know my my season starts in CQ and you know we'll hit some springers and then I spend a month up in Sitka you know and and I mean we're, we ain't open cans of tuna dude I mean no. it's you know and so you, you but that's the wonderful challenge of, of of encountering a bunch of different fisheries not only the tech, technique bleed over between the fisheries but just man you yeah. just, you just learn new wrinkles you learn new tricks well and spin fish has been real popular this year and, and has been catching a lot of fish and and it's like you said you know when you're getting bit. Because if you get bit and don't, you don't hook up, you can still leave it out there. It's still fishing. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. And and you 
be on that lure at all times, on your bait rather, at all times, which if you're running the boat, that's a challenge. Yeah. Because you're not just, you know, you're not just watching your rod. You're watching everybody's rod. You're watching boat traffic. You're watching sonar, right? And, you know, and you're steering the boat, right? And so that's a challenge. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a big challenge, but it also, that's when my mind goes quiet too. Cause I think of nothing else in the whole world, right? It's just, it's, it's funny because you, you got to spend Bruce some time with, with, with Rocky or Dory Monson mm -hmm. up in Sitka. Sure did. And Dory Monson's mind is not quiet. Not even marginally close. But <laughs> when, when he got on the boat and started watching that rod tip, it was just kind of like he control alt delete. Right. <laughs> he, was, you know? he was way more focused during that time. Yeah. And I think you said you experienced that also just up in the sound here with him. The, oh, for sure. Uh, what? Two weeks ago. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Last week. Last week. Yeah. Fact. So yeah. And I mean, but that's, that's the thing though. There, it, it is running a boat and running gear. It's so all encompassing though. You, you had done a time for other thoughts. I, I don't, I really don't think of a whole heck of a lot when I'm, when I'm on the water. I mean, mm -hmm. that's it, right? There's, yeah. there's so much to try to contemplate so much, to try to read. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and as the day progresses, it changes. Oh. So you're constantly having to stay on that. Yeah. Make adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, the, that's the cue. You know, mm -hmm. the, the interaction of current structure and depth, man. It's, it's, it's fascinating. All right. So I just got a, I, I just got a text from the 206. No Joey. Oh yes. There's going to be Joey. Joey had to, had to head back home. He of course fished here the last couple of days. And, uh, so he's, uh, he's got a, a friend of ours wedding. So, uh, Happy wedding day, our dear friend Mike Pitson. Joey Pyburn is going to join us uh, right after the break here, jump into the regional rundown. He's going to run down what's going on in the Columbia, the Cowlitz River, one of the best steelhead seasons we've even heard about in several years. Puget Sound Silvers, and are there bears up in the berries on the hillside? <laughs> the Northwest Outdoor Report, presented by Les Schwab Tires. Of course, the Wellcraft Duckworth Wheelhouse, Del Stevens Micro Tuna Intro. Here we go. How much <laughs> boat, bait, bait, tackle, and intestinal fortitude do you need to succeed? And Roy Robinson is really where stay tuned for a jam-packed hour two right here on the outdoor line seattle sports station 710 and the seattle sports app <laughs> 